You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Talked to Timmy Brando last hour about the maybe a relevancy crisis in college football outside of the South. Of course, also talked to him about LSU's spot inside the top 10 and their big matchup against Texas. You can find that on the podcast. And our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll is piggybacking off of Tim's comments and really advocacy he's had on social media over the last couple of months, heck, the last couple of years. Tim Brando says college football is suffering from a relevancy crisis outside the South. Is he right? That's the question we pose to you at WWL.com and the Radio.com app. You can vote at WWL.com. And right now, still 76% of the vote agreeing with Tim Brando, agreeing with me. Yes, it is facing a crisis. We'll get back to that a little bit. Christian Garrick and I just made a little friendly wager on Twitter about Austin Carr's status on or off the final 53-man roster. I say yes after what Drew Brees said today. Christian says no. We bet a Magnum Energy drink on it. I don't think Christian's going to get a Magnum Energy drink. If he was telling me the other day, he can't handle one. <laughs> I get that. It's my one vice. Well, one of my couple of vices, anyways. Uh, Steve Court and I need those. When we wake up at 8 a.m. in the morning, we'll do a show at 8 in the morning on game days. Yeah, I'm waking up with a Magnum Red Bull. That's probably not good for my health. <laughs> we got this hour we're gonna talk baker mayfield who apologized to daniel jones apparently he called daniel jones about that we got sports libs moment is in from drew Brees on austin Carr a little bit later but first as we do every wednesday let's bring on in ben mintz host of mixing it up with mintz in shreveport bozier on 107 uh, excuse me 100.7 fm the ticket up there and of course on twitter at ben mintz 531 ben what's going on man oh man always glad to come on wwl seth appreciate you having me and uh you know, I'm certainly no Tim Brando, but, you know, the street, I guess we're having a little Shreveport radio hour. Here. That's right. That's that true. That is true. I didn't even, yeah, you're right. I didn't put that together until just now, but you're absolutely, absolutely right. Hey, by the way, I'm sure as a professional poker player that you have had your share of energy drinks on the table. Is that right? Are you, you digging my Magnum oh, yeah. Energy Bull drink? Yeah, I am. I, I'm always like an iced coffee guy, especially when it's hot outside. You know, that's my big thing. But I drink the sugar-free Red Bulls as well. But, yeah, I like that. Christian Garrick always seems like he's got a lot of energy already. He probably doesn't need it. Well, that's it, right? Christian doesn't have the or has the energy already. Maybe I don't or something. I don't know. Maybe it's the time of night that I'm doing the show. But no, you're just, you're just trained because you're doing that 8 to 11. You know, you know, you get the freaks come out at night and all the radio going. So that, that 8 a.m. comes real early. And, I, you know, I got to say, anybody that does the morning radio are better people than me because uh, that's, that's not for me. Isn't sure. that odd? I have worked most of my professional career post-college late afternoons or nights especially when i was doing play-by-play full-time because look all those games were at night i cannot it would be really hard for me i could do it but it would be really hard ben for me to transition to like a morning drive show yeah no i believe it man i did some morning radio when i started a couple years ago over at monroe and uh you know there's definitely a couple times i missed the alarm clock and panic and you, you can use your imagination we, we got a lot of <laughs> listeners by the way on our show up in shreveport bozier and i know uh, that you, you've got your show through football season now that's right big news on the show yeah, man, uh, it's just exciting times up here. Uh, Josh Booty and I became really good friends uh, in the last couple of years. And, you know, he's an all-time Shreveport legend. Uh, Evangel High School kind of set the bar with, you know, passing offense and won 16 state championships. And he was a huge part of that. And uh, Him and his family are, you know, obviously Abram and the whole rest of them are legends up here. And we're going to do a show four to six every Wednesday on the ticket. And, you know, just to be transparent, I mean, just it's an honor to work with him. I, I grew up going to his games and, 
he has a network and contacts that uh, I couldn't even dream of. So I'm, I'm so excited about it. And, you know, it's cool that he thinks that highly of me, for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. Ben, you're outside of the – at least right in the heart of SEC country. I know a lot of LSU fans uh, up there, a lot of Arkansas fans your way too. Um, uh, do you feel that college football maybe is losing its grip a little bit on the rest of the country outside of the South here? I do, and I'll be transparent too. And I think it's a little bit of my bitterness. Like I'm a proud Ole Miss alumni, even though I live in Louisiana. And I think I'm bitter because of all the NCAA stuff Ole Miss went through. But, like, this year, when I look at college football, I'm so glad LSU's exciting with Joe Burrow and Joe Brady and the defense. Because if LSU wasn't exciting and poised for a big season, I'd be a little bored with it. I'll be honest. But LSU, you know, being a top-10 team preseason and that kind of enthusiasm, you know, that obviously carries it to the sports radio in Louisiana. But as far as around the country, you know, I think a big part of it too, Seth, people love fantasy football. And, you know, you look at NFL – and there's so many people in college just watch their favorite team. They don't have any reason to watch mm-hmm. other games. And what fantasy football does for NFL, people watch every game. They're engaged and that kind of stuff. And I think that might be part of it, too, in a weird way. Yeah, and that's how I was when I was outside of for a few years, uh, you know, big college football market doing sports uh, every day. I, it's, it's interesting. And I was talking to, to Tim Brando about this. If you go, and you don't have to go far. I mean, you can go up to the, the north part of the state, really. And certainly once you get a little further north or maybe west past Dallas, man, people just aren't talking about it right now. And even if you, you get know, to the heart of the season, they're not. Well, I think you know what it reminds me of a little bit? A couple of years ago in the NBA, when it was like a foregone conclusion, Golden State was going to win every year and there wasn't a lot of drama. It kind of bored people with the NBA a little bit. In college football with the Bama nauseating thing and what Clemson has done, it's like there's a sense of finality already to it. And, you know, there's not as much drama because these teams have been so dominant they've kind of just like beaten the will out of everybody, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, it does make sense. We're talking to Ben Mintz at BenMintz531 on Twitter. Cover a lot of Saints. Cover a lot of Cowboys up in your neck of the woods, oh, Ben. Yeah. And talk with that with these contracts ooh, right now. Yes. Ezekiel Elliott squarely in the crosshairs of Jerry Jones and vice versa. This is getting a little ugly, Ben. It, it, it is. And, you know, what's interesting to me about it is Dax in the final year of his four-year rookie contract. Amari Cooper, they pick up his fifth-year option, his first-round pick. Zeke's only in his fourth year, and they have a fifth-year option. And I think Zeke almost like kind of pulling a power play, trying to jump ahead of him in line to get his contract, which is kind of interesting for team chemistry. But then the other side of it that I just being discussed up here lately is this could be all a big bluff by Zeke to just not have to do preseason. <laughs> well, that's kind of what I, that's what I'm raising it as. I mean, he's in Cabo. I understand he's working out in Cabo, but it's still Cabo. I mean, it does seem like he just, well, I'm to the point in my career I don't need training camp, so I'm going to do this. Maybe kind of what Antonio Brown, I think, is doing in Oakland a little bit, although he seems like he has a legitimate foot issue there. No, and look, here's the thing, man. NFL season, I mean, we're talking about 17 weeks, over four months. It's hard to stay healthy week to week. And obviously, I'm not a football player, but I get people wanting to be careful about preseason. I mean, there's so much risk uh, in pro football. But the Dallas thing's fascinating. You know, Jalen Smith, just signing a five-year, $65 million deal, getting $34.5 million guaranteed. There's a, it's kind of similar to the Saints because the Cowboys have done really well through Stephen Jones in the draft last years. And when you draft well and you develop your guys, well, then there's a line of guys around the block trying to get paid. And there's not money for everybody. And the Saints are going through the same thing, having to lock up all these draft picks that Jeff Ireland helped scout the last few years. And so that's what's so fascinating about Dallas is, you know, who ultimately gets let go. Uh, yeah, who? And how are they going to – compete in this nfc when you don't have zeke in camp 
Um, you lost some talent, especially on defense, and the NFC is going to be better top to bottom. I mean, Jason Garrett, I think they did not renew him, right? They didn't extend him, so he's in the final yeah, year no, of his contract. This is the last year. This is the last year of Jason Garrett. So the Cowboys things that are interesting, I'll make it pretty concise. First of all, a lot of the Cowboys fans up here hated Scott Linehan, the offensive coordinator. They canned him. Kellen Moore, former backup quarterback, Boise State guy under Chris Peterson, new offensive coordinator in his early 30s. And so I'm kind of curious to see what the difference will be between him and Linehan. And when, when you look at the Cowboys thing, I mean, this is a loaded team, Seth, because they hadn't had a defense like this in forever. I mean, you look at Jalen Smith and Van Der Esch, you know, Rod Marinelli, always hmm. developing talent in the defensive line, underrated secondary play. Byron Jones grading out as one of the top corners in pro football. Love a woozy. Uh, he, he's, he's had a great career so far his first few years. So the defense is better than it's been in, I mean, 15, 20 years. you got a great offensive line. You're getting Travis Frederick back from the autoimmune disease. you got Zach Martin, Tyron Smith. You know, they, they, they feel like they're kind of primed, you know, for, I don't want to say a Super Bowl run, but they're really built up this year. they still got Dak on the rookie contract. But, you know, when you start having all these contract issues, Dak and Amari and Zeke, you got to wonder how that factors in in the locker room. And, Seth, we got to be realistic. It's always a zoo in Dallas. That's why they're America's team. <laughs> it, is, it is always a zoo. <laughs> no doubt about it. They are at least entertaining to pay attention to. I think everybody would kind of admit that, uh, especially off the field stuff the last few years. Uh, ben Mensch. Yeah, no, it's – Go ahead, Ben. No, oh, yeah, no, you're totally right. The thing is, they're 18 to one to win the Super Bowl. Man, they were three and five last year after they lost at home to the Titans on Monday Night Football. They end up going seven and one in the last eight and win the playoff game. I mean, they got a lot of momentum, man. You know, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, pretty impressed with what they got. It's a two horse race with them and the Eagles in the NFC East. There's a lot of reason for enthusiasm, but man, you know how this day and age is. I mean, that's a lot of distractions with the contracts and money. Yeah, it is. Uh, ben Mintz again at Ben Mintz five three one. Ben has an incredible new Twitter account. Am I spoiling it if I if yes. I talk no, about this? Bring it. Okay, I need to build this. Bring okay, it, bring it. all right. Uh, yeah, well, look, you could explain it way better than I. But as, as you probably have heard on the segments that you've done here, he sounds a lot like one certain NFL quarterback who won the MVP last year, Pat Mahomes. And you kind of hit the lottery, Ben, and you're capitalizing on that with a not. Patrick Mahomes at not Patrick Mahomes Twitter account. That's exactly what's happening. It's at Mahomes not on Twitter. And my plan on it is Pat Mahomes and me somehow, you know, there's what are there like? I mean, I don't even know how many billion of people in the whole world. And the only person that has my voice won the NFL MVP. I mean, it literally is hitting the lottery. And Patrick Mahomes is from Tyler, Texas, about two hours from here, from Shreveport. And so I've decided that I have to, you know, you got to go with what you got in life. And uh, this is. I've been given a gift here, and so what I'm going to do with this Twitter account, you're going to see a lot of interviews and funny videos, but I'm going to say stuff that Mahomes never would say. But, like, I'm not going to push it too, too far because I want him to like the account when he sees it because he's all over Twitter. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. And uh, so far, like I saw, I had a picture of Andy, a guy who looked like Andy Reid playing poker the other night, uh, posted, like, great to see Coach Reid in the casino. <laughs> and then my other one, you know, the other one was uh, people talking about my regression in fantasy football. They see my arm and our weapons because everybody lost their minds. It's going to be stuff like that. I, I don't know. We, we got to poll our audience here. Should we have Ben on, like maybe doing some mock pressers on Mondays or Tuesdays after they play something like that? Ben, would you be down for that if we like that? Oh, up? I'm down for anything. And I also <laughs> booked my trip. So my friends that run the Run Good Poker Series have a Kansas City event in early December. I booked my flight today. I'm going to see Raiders Chiefs December 1. And I'm going to do everything I can to get on all Kansas City Sports Radio with my gimmick. You've you got to do that. You've got to get a press pass maybe to that game, too. Get in that press conference and see. Uh, ask it. I would love to see you asking Pat Mahomes a question and then 
hearing his response. Is there is a reaction to like, oh, really? This guy sounds a lot like me. Kind of yeah, yeah. I had like a dream one night where I play World Series of Poker stuff, and obviously, you know, that's nothing compared to Mahomes being an NFL MVP. But I had a dream where he was talking poker, and I was talking NFL, and nobody could tell the difference. And so that's kind of like my manifesto. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, uh, Ben Mintz, host of Mixing It Up with Mintz in Shreveport, Bossier, one hundred point seven FM. The ticket again at Ben Mintz five three one, and at it's at not Mahomes. Is that right? At Mahomes, not. Yeah, I'm at Mahomes, not. It. It's not. It's not Patrick Mahomes. And I have one other thing I wanted to mention while I was on here because all the LSU fans and New Orleans fans of him. So, Seth, you know, we're talking about all these sleepers in the NFL. This Andrew Luck situation in Indy feels real, real weird to me with his injury history. And I'm kind of thinking about jumping on the Jacksonville Jaguars a little bit. They're 5-1 to one to win the AFC South. And my question to all our New Orleans people, is, is Leonard Fournette going to – I'm going to say this in a positive way. Can he play 16 games really, really hard and show what everybody – what he's about? Because I think Jacksonville, you know, if there's trouble in Indy with Andrew Luck and uh, Houston kind of beat a cream puff four schedule and has a bad O-line, you know, Jacksonville almost made the Super Bowl two years ago with Blake Bortles. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think they might be, you know, they play the last place schedule, which means Raiders and Bengals and Jets kind of start to think they're a little bit of a sleeper uh, in the NFL. But I think Fournette got to gotta be reliable. That I'm does smell like three wins there against those teams you just mentioned. And I just talked to Jacksonville beat reporter John Reed uh, yesterday on the show, and he thinks that Nick Foles could be the answer there too. I'm kind of buying it also. And look, I'm the guy who basically – at Old Takes exposed myself, said, hey, I'm going on record saying Austin Carr squarely on the roster. So I'm into bold predictions today, Ben. Yeah, no, look, you got to be bold. Fortune favors the bold, as our old friend T-Bob Bear always says. And the, the Jacksonville thing is interesting, though, because you got to think about, like, a locker room with Jalen Ramsey and all the talent on defense. You know, I know Bortles, Bortles is the worst quarterback in the NFL, but when you go from 32nd, like, let's say Nick Foles is slightly below average. He's, like, the 20th or 25th best quarterback in the NFL that's a lot better than the worst in the league. And when you're looking in the locker room at a dude that's won the Super Bowl, you believe. And mm-hmm. if they could somehow get in the playoffs, you know, I mean, I don't know. I know it seems like a long shot in reach, but uh, this Andrew Luck thing really concerns me, man. With his injury history, it just seems really weird. And I think that AFC South may be a little more open than people are giving it credit. Well, the Andrew Luck stuff, I agree with you. I was talking to Joel Erickson, used to work for The Advocate here, now covers the Colts for the Indy Star, and he told me there's just no idea what's going on with his calf. That He should be ready for week one, but nobody really knows. So, yeah. Look, Jaguars, yeah, so I'm with you. Yeah, well, I just think it opens it up a little bit. And, like, the Houston thing, every year in the NFL, so much of it's about your schedule because the edges are so small. But Houston beat a cream puff war of a schedule last year. They started 0-3. Went to nine and three. They played. They were four and twelve the year before because Watson tore his ACL, and they had Tom Savage out there. And I mean, I do think they've got a good overall team. But their offensive line's weak. I, you know, I don't. I don't think they're invulnerable. And so, if something's going on with Luck, I don't know. The Jacksonville thing was Bears monitoring. Uh, Jacksonville hired John DeFilippo, who was the quarterback coach for Philadelphia when the Super, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl two years ago. But then he got fired by Minnesota mid to late season last year because they didn't run the ball enough. And if Jacksonville's going to win, they need to give it to Fournette, do play action, play defense. So, LSU fans we'll liking that, Ben. Give it to Fournette. Give it to Fournette. Another 1,000-yard yeah, well, I mean, season like they had a couple years they're, ago. They're, they're saying Fournette's catching balls out of the backfield in this offense, which obviously LSU never threw to the running backs. So, you know, that would be an added element. But I'm kind of starting to look at them as a sleeper because you look like the NFC is just so deep. I mean, you got eight to ten teams you can like, but the AFC, you know, there's only three or four really good teams, so it's more wide open than people think. Ben, always appreciate the conversations, buds. I might talk to you on your show later, but we'll do it again uh, next week here. 
Any anytime, man. Thank you for having me on WWL. Appreciate it. All right. Have a great night. No, I appreciate you. Thanks so much, Ben. At Ben Mintz five three one on Twitter. Give him a follow there. Always fun. Uh, our again a blur under gumbo opinion poll. It's college football suffering from a relevancy crisis outside the South. I'd love to get your votes on that at WWL dot com. You heard Christian Garrick during that last commercial break telling you about this competitive eating event that we've got. Big competition happening here in New Orleans on Sunday. We're broadcasting live from it. Yep, it's the Fat Boys Pizza Eating Contest. You can join Bobby Bear, Christian Garrick for a special edition of Sports Talk live from Fat Boys Pizza in Metairie on Metairie Road, Sunday, noon to 2. World champion competitive eater Joey Chestnut. Yeah, that Joey Chestnut. Going to face off with major league eaters and local celebs. The contest is to eat as many two-foot slices of pizza as you can in 10 minutes. I'll try to set a world record there. Don't miss it. Full day of family fun with live music, face painting, snowballs, adult beverages. Yes, you can get those too. Fat Boys Pizza Eating Championship featuring the Cajun Cannon and Christian broadcasting live from Fat Boys Pizza in Metairie Sunday, noon to 2, right here on WWL. See what's happening on the text line in a second. But first, let's go to Jeff on the West Bank. Jeffrey on the West Bank. Let's talk a little college football with us. Thanks for holding on, Jeffrey. What's up? Thank you for taking my call. You bet. I, I think uh, some people are missing the point on this uh, college football thing. Here we, here we are in the South. We're not as populated as West Coast or the northern part of the country. You can't blame the South for dominating the sport. There's 40, million, there's 40 million people that live in California. 40 million. That's more than Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida combined, which is basically the SEC. So this thing about the SEC dominating and what we're going to do, and what do you want to do? I But I, I don't think – I don't really understand what you're trying to say. You, do you? I don't. Maybe you misunderstood me. You think that I, I said, that's like the SEC is at fault, Jeffrey? No, no. When I say, I'm speaking in general. I'm okay. not speaking about you. Okay. I'm not speaking about you. I'm speaking about the complaints that people are having. Okay. Well, you said you, so I mean, maybe you can understand why I got a little confused. Yeah. Well, when I say you, I'm speaking in general. Okay. But. What do you want the SEC? What do people want the SEC to do? Just, just the way the white flag and throw it low. I mean, I, I, I really believe this. If USC and Notre Dame was in the top four every year, there wouldn't be any complaints. Though there was, I lived it. There was. I was, I was in the West Coast. I was covering sports there when USC under Pete Carroll was consistently, and there wasn't even a college football player for a BCS then. Maybe there was a BCS. Yeah. There was a BCS towards the end. I apologize. There was a BCS towards the end of that. But um, they, they, people were complaining about the lack of parity in college football then. Now it's just all down here in the south. I will say this, Ben, uh, uh, Jeffrey, excuse me. Ben and I were talking about this last segment, Ben meant yeah. that if the SEC wants to get on an equal level, be judged equally and on the same scale as other conferences, don't you think that every conference should play the same amount of conference games? No, because every conference isn't equal. What? Jeffrey. Jeffrey, what what, what are you saying there? Wait, wait, wait. wait. Are you saying the SEC isn't good enough to play nine conference games? Is that what you're trying to say? I'm saying just the opposite. The SEC is better. So playing eight games against other SEC teams, to me, 
it, it, that is a mean. subjective and not an objective opinion there okay. and that is yeah. how do you know i mean that may be and that may have been the case the last couple of years i don't think it was the case two years ago it was probably there three two three years ago it's probably the acc maybe the big 10 but you're right last couple of years it's been the sec it's been the majority of the sec that way during the last few years but you can't say well they were good last year so we can play one less conference game i mean we're going to do that in every sport in the acc now should they play five less conference basketball games i like that no, no, let me – I mean, let's let's stay on this, Jeffrey. I'm trying to convince you here, and you're trying to convince me. If you're saying that because a conference is better in whatever sport, well, just because you know, last year they were really good or Alabama's been really good, that the rest of the conference or the entire conference shouldn't have to play an equitable amount of conference games. So we're going to do that in every sport? We're going to start doing that in the NFL? Well, I think the NFC South should actually only play uh, five divisional games because darn the SEC South is – the NFC South has been good. There's nothing going to change if if the SEC goes to nine playing guys. Okay, what? what I'll tell you how it. Can, oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. So go ahead, Jeffrey. Go ahead. But what I'm saying is, if they play nine games, what, what if, I think people want them to play ten games against each other. This, expanding the expanding the thing to eight games before the playoffs. That would guarantee you two SEC teams would be in it. Yeah. It guarantee. Yeah. And you're wait, are we are we against that? I'm for that. They would be complaining about that. Oh, they probably would. You're right there, but they're going to complain about anything, right? You know, it, it's it's going to be complaints after after complaints after complaints. That's true, but here is the 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 bottom line issue for me in any sport in any sport. If you have teams from different areas, different regions of the country competing against each other on supposedly a level playing field, not that every conference is, you know, equitable or, you know, equally good, but the playing field is level. We're judging them equally. Then why in the world can't we say, all right, in order to be, a, you know, eligible for this college football playoff, whether that's four teams or eight teams, whatever it goes to, you got to play nine conference games. Or if you want to make it eight, then you say eight and the other conferences go backwards. If you, if my conference is better, me playing five to seven games against my conference is much tougher than okay. you playing. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. I, let me conference. ask you this, Jeffrey. Let me ask you this then. My alma mater is Washington State. Will yeah. never be as good as LSU on you know a year in and year out basis. They might have a year here, a year there. Okay. Yeah, Are you yeah. telling me you would be okay with Washington State playing eight conference games in the Pac-12? and loading up their schedule with four cream puffs. And then they go undefeated, and they're in that college football playoff because, well, they played eight conference games. Missed USC, missed um, you know Stanford, missed Washington. Well, they won't miss Washington. That's a rivalry game. But, they, you know, they went undefeated in the schedule, and now they're in the playoff because they're undefeated. You'd be okay with that? No, you're making my point. You what? play an eight conference game in the Pac, uh, Pac twelve or Pac ten, whatever you want to call it, and y'all not so, playing. You're not playing. Jeffrey, I'm, I look. This is like button heads. I'm, I'm gonna look. I'm, thank you for calling, but this is this is me slamming my head against you, trying to get you to see how hypocritical you're being, and you're never going to admit it. You are never going to admit it. You are the head deep in the sand, and that's you can you can be whatever kind of fan you want, but this is this is how I see it. As, as impartial and objective observers, I can see it. You are the SEC homer that has their head so far buried in the sand 
that you don't care about the sport of college football. You don't care about the health of the sport of college football 10, 20 years down the road. You only care that this conference, that your school or schools that you root for, has an advantage and is doing well. I'll tell you this, college sports, all sports are cyclical. In 10 years, in 15 years, in 20 years, we might be back to a point where the Big Ten is dominating college football. Or USC and Oregon and Washington are all in the top 10 every year like they were in the 1990s. Well, Oregon wasn't there. USC and Washington were every single year. And they could be dominating it. I'd be saying the same exact thing. If Ohio State and the Big Ten were playing eight conference games every year, I'd be going, this is outrageous. I'm not somebody that just because it happens here in the FCC that I'm going to say, yeah, well, you know, we're a better conference. We deserve to play one less game. Give me another grambling state. We deserve it. We're the SEC. I mean, come on. I, I get that the, the sports talk radio on local stations, local sports talk radio is full of almost nothing. And, and look, maybe that that's unfair to people. I'm, I'm going to revise what I was going to say there because that's actually not true and not fair. But I would say the majority, maybe not the vast majority, but the majority of people on sports talk radio in local markets are your rah-rah homer guys that do not care about anything than promoting their school, their team, and they've got their home glasses on, and they're not going to look at anything objectively because they want to please people like Jeffrey. I am not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And that is an irresponsible take. And you want to know if Tim Brando was sitting here on the show? In my spot, hosting, he would have read Jeffrey the right act. He would have cut him off at two minutes instead of six. Jeffrey, you and I may agree on every other part of of sports, and I really appreciate you listening to the show. But in this one, I completely disagree with you. And it's absolutely nothing personal at all. But I think that's an irresponsible take that I hear way, way too often. And you know who agrees with me? Tim Brando, who is your quote-unquote SEC guy, quote-unquote SEC homer, who travels the country back and forth every single week, and he sees how the sport is being eroded at its foundation. And if we don't do something to fix it, if we want the sport to thrive the way it has the last decade and a half or so, in, in the next decade and a half, by 2030, It's got to be fixed. I am sorry, but the sport cannot survive on the fan bases of Alabama, LSU, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma State, and maybe one or two other programs. It just cannot. It just cannot. And the reason that I'm really surprised that more people aren't on board with this is we've got the NFL as the prime example of how to build a sports empire on the back of parity. I am a relatively young guy, but I remember, and I've studied, first of all, I remember the lack of parity in the NFL in the late 80s and 90s, and it certainly was worse before I started watching it in the early 80s, 70s, and 60s. The NFL was a niche sport then, a relatively niche sport. It was baseball. It was NBA basketball. It was college basketball. That was dominating ratings, dominating viewers. The NFL changed with the salary cap. 
the NFL promoted parity, said this is how we're going to get people from coast to coast to buy into our sport. To make this the greatest sports leagues in the country, in the country, and maybe the greatest sports league on the planet. And you know what? They did it. And I guess people just want to hand wave away what the NFL did because your school, your program's doing well, your conference is doing well. I don't get it. I really don't get it. I have zero dog in this fight. I, I like I stole Deferry. I went to a school that is never going to be on the national championship stage. Forget about it. Once a decade, once every two decades, we might sniff a Rose Bowl. That's about it. I have no dog in this fight. I live and work and cheer for SEC schools now. But this is something that I'm very passionate about, and I try to remain as objective as I can, and that's just darn it. That's how I see it. And I'm really fired up about this now. That was, look, that was a good conversation, Jeffrey. I appreciate you listening, and thanks for hanging on there. One more call here, Jimmy in Gretna. Jimmy, we don't have a lot of time, but go ahead. Hey, man, I'll make it quick. Um, I know you've been at training camp, and I've been following the whole process. I know they have one open camp tomorrow left for the fans. What's your take on this kid? He's the son of the former first-round pick for the Detroit Lions, Luther Ellis. Mm-hmm. I think I don't know what his last name's Ellis, the linebacker from Caden. Idaho. Caden. Looked like he got a lot of playing time. Maybe after the break you can kind of go over your take on him. And do you think he'll make the 53-man roster? And um, I was curious to know. I know he comes from a great uh, bloodline. His dad was uh, in the NFL for a long time. Yeah. So and I want to get your take I'll, on him. Jimmy, I'll, I'll give it to you. Thanks for the call tonight. It's uh, He's on the roster. He led the team in snaps the first two weeks of preseason. That by itself doesn't make you a roster, get you on a roster. But if you look at how he contributed on special teams, that's how those guys, those players on the ancillary of the roster, that's how they make it. And they love what he's done. That's what they're telling us. And I believe, look, I believe he's more of a lock than Austin Carr. And I'm the guy who's on Twitter with Christian Garrick making bets about Austin Carr being on the roster. So, yeah, I'm squarely on the Caden Ellis's a a lock to make this roster at this point now still two weeks or two games left anyways a preseason and things can change but right now that's where i am on it thanks for the call jimmy always appreciate you calling in always appreciate you listening we'll take a break when we come back baker mayfield apologizing to landry jones might have got a talking to from freddie kitchens there in cleveland we'll hear from him and then it's our moment is in from drew Brees. speaking of austin carr big praise heaped from the future hall of famer to the third-year receiver, perhaps, like I said, he is squarely on that roster. 15 minutes left on our show. Don't go anywhere. It's the last lap on WWL. All right, Christian Garrick is going he's going overboard now. It's getting crazy. He's trying to increase our Magnum Energy Drink bet on Austin Carr's roster status to a taser shot. First, it was waxing our chests on air. I said, no, 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 no. And then he says, oh, what about a taser shot? Here's the thing. I have lived a very uh, good 35 years, going on 36. I have admittedly lived in a more wild than necessary life for a big part of that. If I have managed to avoid getting a taser shot during my life, during everything that I've done, living in Vegas, living in New Orleans, going to Washington State, part of you, I am not risking a taser shot on an Austin Carr roster bet. So, buddy, you got you to gotta do a little better on that. 
I would rather, and look, I like my hair. I think I got good hair. I would rather shave my head. I'd rather make a shaved head bet than a taser shot bet. So, Christian, you got, you got to come up with a better one than that. I'm, a, I'm willing to increase the bet here a little bit, but going from energy drink to taser shot seems like a mighty big leap. I don't know. At Seth Dunlap, at Christian Gary. You can find, follow us on Twitter right now. We're going back and forth. Speaking of a guy who's lived a maybe admittedly more wild than necessary life, but Baker Mayfield, who was quoted in an article yesterday taking shots at rookie quarterback for the New York Giants, Landry Jones, saying, can't believe that the Giants selected him. He's not a winner. Well, Baker says, well, it's taken out of context. Listen up. Yeah, yeah, this is my least favorite excuse with athletes is you're quoted with something. It's very well sourced in an article, and then you blame the author or blame the publication. Come, just own it. And I'm a guy who likes my athletes with a little spice, with a little juice. I don't like my athletes quite. I like them open and honest in interviews. Like I said yesterday on the, on the air, it doesn't really bother me at all that he had these thoughts <laughs> on Landry Jones. It surprised me because you didn't see a lot of NFL guys, especially NFL quarterbacks, taking shots inside the fraternity. But he's kind of in the same, not my cup of tea, but I get it and I respect it, boat as Cam Newton is. Like, I like brash, confident guys, especially the guy, right? He was a walk-on to a couple of different places, Baker Mayfield. But taken out of context, come on. That sound courtesy of Westwood One. All of our training camp sound and interviews and prime cuts today brought to you by the Sound Banking of First American Bank, a banking tradition since 1910. Today's player of the day is Austin Carr. Who's going places? Well, it's Austin Carr. Brought to you by Toyota dealers. Let's go places. One final break. Speaking of Austin Carr, Drew Brees, an endorsement in a big way towards Austin Carr. We've been referencing it all show. We will play that cut for you as our moment is in. When we conclude tonight's uh, you know, final lap around the track here on WWL. Well, remember, kickoff of football season starts with the Houdat Nation Rally and Music Fest Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, September 6th, 7th, and 8th. Good food, great music, and big-time family fun. At Now it's LaSalle Park in Metairie. You can listen to, well, this lineup, the producers, Cowboy Mouth, Supercharger, New Power Generation, The Family Stone, The Top Cats, and much more. Plus, that Friday night, it's going to be a special, special tribute. You're going to honor Dr. John. Art Neville, Alan Toussaint, Fats, all the legends we've lost here. Irma Thomas, Deacon John, Renard Poche going to be involved in that tribute. They're going to perform then. You can get your tickets right now for the official Houdat Rally Nation and Music Fest presented by Bud Light. And on a separate note, if you want to attend one or both of our VIP shows at the Jefferson Performing Arts Center, you can get your tickets now before they're all sold out. That's the guest who, Saturday the 7th from 5.30 to 6.45 p.m., and Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Sunday, September 8th from 4.30 to 5.45 p.m. at the Jefferson Performing Arts Center. Tickets are available at Ticketmaster, and remember, each VIP experience ticket comes with weekend passes to the Houdat Nation Rally and Music Fest. Get all the info you need at houdatnationevents.com. Thanks to Logan Falgu behind the glass, our studio producer. Thanks to Helen Santani today and Jordan Fiegel for producing our show during the day. Tim Zimmer for booking the show. All of our guests, including Ben Mintz, Tim Brando, Zach Streif, and also Sarah uh, Bashup of ESPN.com. If you missed any of the show, check the podcast, www.com, radio.com app, and get any of the show there. Also, Apple Podcasts. I usually listen to the show and all of our shows here on WWL there. Um, I'll see you tomorrow. 
Follow me on Twitter, at Seth Dunlap. We'll keep the conversation going there. And as always, I'll leave you with our moment of zen. Tonight, it's Drew Brees, the ultimate endorsement of his receiver, Austin Carr. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.